Welcome back to the Inside Sports Nutrition Podcast, your source for all things sports nutrition related. This show is hosted by myself, Dina Griffin, and my co-host, Bob Sibahar. We are both registered dietitians and board certified specialists in sports dietetics with combined professional experience exceeding 40 years. We're here to help provide translations of the nutrition and sports science to real life, give you interviews with a variety of experts and athletes where you enhance your knowledge and bring along the way a great fun nutrition conversation to you each week. So you'll want to stay tuned for this episode number 74. Thank you for being here. We're chatting with the amazing Kira D'Amato. She is a professional runner, realtor, busy mom. She's out of the East Coast here in the States. Did I say how fast of a runner she is? Let me give you a feel. She currently holds the 10-mile record, American record, in a lightning fast 51.23. I'll just say that again. 51.23 for a 10-mile distance. And in 2022, she broke Dina Castor's marathon record time. Uh, with a 2.19.12 finish personal record. Kira is not stopping. She's still going strong and fast. In fact, as this episode comes out, she informed us she would be starting her racing season for this year, 2023. You can learn more about Kira over at her website, kiradamato.com, and check out the show notes here on the InsideSportsNutrition.com website to get the links for all the info. Uh, so fun to chat with Kira. Honestly, we had one of the best conversations and she shared a lot of great perspectives and insights. I hope you will enjoy this episode. And real quick, before we get to the episode, wanted to mention and give a shout out to Bob's uh, new Nutrition for Longevity program. It is an eight-week course where Bob's going to teach you about the hallmarks of aging, these functional systems of the body, and of course, teach you about nutrition changes that are necessary to make so that you can continue uh, on your path of successful aging and improving your own longevity. You can head over to Bob's site, energyperformance.com. Check out that program. It's starting soon. It's really for anyone 40 years and older. You don't need to be an athlete to benefit from this exciting new program. All right. Please enjoy episode number 74. Well, good morning, ISN podcast listeners. Dina, we have one amazing guest this morning. And I know I say that quite a bit, don't I? But listen, our guest today, not only is she lightning fast and just an amazing person, but she is a wealth of knowledge in terms of the running community. And her story is just going to fascinate, I think, all of us. But Dina, what say ye about our guest today? I know. I Well, my heart rate is high here as we're getting ready to talk with this amazing lady and athlete. And so, yeah, I'm just needing to take a breath real quick and proceed. <laughs> You're Kira Demato, Welcome to the ISN podcast. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. Hey crew. Thanks for having me. I'm really uh, happy and pumped to be here. 
All right. Thank well, it, and it's not, it's not common um, that, uh, you know, Dina has these moments only with a few of our guests and you've, you've made her have a moment. So congratulations. She's, she's I'm, waving herself. Stardom. I'm all about this moment. So I, I, oh. yeah, let's, we'll all have a moment together. I mean, can we do, are there zoom autographs? I don't know if we can do like a virtual <laughs> autograph, but I mean, if yeah, you need or maybe like virtual high five. Oh, yeah. you want to I don't nice. know. There we go. I don't I know. Love. That's right. That's yeah, right. It well, doesn't translate too well over podcasts, but yeah, we can. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Dina, I know you travel to the East Coast a little bit, so you can just go visit her here, right? Mm, that yeah. well, yeah, I, I suppose I shouldn't self-invite, but. Oh, the well, door's open. Yeah. The door's there open, go. Dina. Come there on you over. Yeah. Thank you. So today, everyone, we are talking to Cara D'Amato. She is a professional runner, but here's the thing, not just a professional runner. And this is why it's so cool for us to be chatting today, Cara, because you're also a realtor and you're a mom, right? And I love this. And we're going to get into everything and, and just about where you've come from, what you're up to now. But before we start, we always like kind of opening up with our guests, like, what did you do this morning? Like, how did you start your day? It's midday where you're at today, but what, what like snapshot in the past few hours, what's Kara been up to? So I got up, um, around, I guess, 7am today. Now I'm not, I'm really lucky this week or maybe unlucky, but it's spring break for the kids. My mom took the kids to Hilton Head for the week. So I am sand kids for the week. So my husband keeps making jokes like, Kira, you're like a true professional athlete this week. You nap when you want to nap. You go to bed and wake up when you want to wake up. But um, so that's been a little bit of a treat. But I woke up at seven and got, you know, went through like my normal breakfast routine. And then I had a workout, a tempo run this morning, which went really well. I came back, showered. My husband made me a smoothie, which was like a really big treat. And now talking to you guys. So that's uh, been my day so far. What a great kind of relaxing, so to speak, day, right? Yeah, there's not too many days this relaxing. Usually it's kind of juggling getting the kids on the bus and getting everyone ready. And so it's kind of, uh, it's a little more yeah. chaotic, but today was a really uh, kind of just moved at my own pace kind of day, which is kind of nice to have those every once in a while. Those are nice. It's, it's almost like a mini vacation for you. <laughs> it really feels yeah. like a vacation. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is, I know we're going to get to it, but I just want to jump into it because I heard you say it and I'm sure our listeners are wondering, okay, you're a professional runner. You did a tempo run this morning. You mentioned you had a little breakfast before. What was that breakfast? I'm curious. So I eat the same thing every single day, whether it's a workout day, a normal day, the only day I kind of stray for that is if I'm having a day off, then I'll maybe indulge in like pancakes, waffles or something like that. But um, my normal breakfast, I'll get up and I have a cup of coffee and I put some like of those collagens in the coffee, mm-hmm. um, get some vitamin C to make sure that that's absorbed. I will, if it's a workout day, a long run day or a race, I'll get like a cup of some sort of like preload drink. Um, I use the, you can energy. It's a good way to get a mm-hmm. lot of electrolytes in and make sure your body is super hydrated and just ready to go. Um, I'll have a bowl of the steel cut oats and depending how long I'm running, sometimes I'll throw a scoop of peanut butter or some almonds or get some little quick protein um, fix onto those. And if I'm feeling crazy, I'll throw some blueberries or something on there too. Today was just a, a plain, plain Jane kind of day. Okay. And um, yeah, and then I get my kind of energy drink and I'm sipping it on the way to the workout too. So I think that's awesome. a pretty nice. standard. 
I'm salivating. That sounds so wonderful, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And we'll probably get into that and pick it apart in, in you know, kind of the rest of your daily nutrition plan a little bit later. But I, I was so fascinated reading about your background because one, you said you came, you played soccer when you were younger. And that's mm-hmm. what attracted me first because I was a competitive soccer player when I grew up, right? And I was like, oh, hang on. But then you made the switch into running because... And and sometimes this happens, but I'm going to say just not often, like you fell in love with the track, didn't you? And was that during high school? Yeah, it was during high school. I signed up for cross country to kind of show off for the soccer coach, honestly, because it was in the spring. (laughs) And I thought if he could see that I'm doing cross country, he'll understand how fit I am. And he'll see that I'm a hard worker and that I like to be involved. I don't know. I just, so I thought it would look good for the soccer coach. And I didn't fall in love with running immediately. Like I started running. I'm like, man, this really hurts. Like this can really suck. And in my first race, I was like, so convinced in the middle of that race that this would be my first and last race ever. Cause I was like, this is really painful. And, um, so in my head, I'm like, I'm not a quitter though in the middle of a race. So I'm going to maybe just leave the team afterwards. But, um, I finished, I pushed through that and I finished and I like, you know, ran as fast as I could through the finish line. I ended up winning that JV race that day. And then I was like, Oh, I'll give it one more shot, you know, maybe (laughs) just like one more shot. But I feel like it took kind of a season of that almost to realize that's running, you know, it's like, you don't love it all the time. I think the more you do it, the more comfortable you get with like the pain associated with it. But um, yeah, it kind of was like a love hate, you know, I'd finish a race and be like, oh, I could do that again. And then I get back into the middle of the race and I'm like, this is awful. Why did I think I could do this again? So it kind of took me a little bit going through that to kind of realize, oh, that's, that's what, it, that's what it's all about is getting to that yeah. point and working through that, you know, and being so proud of yourself afterwards that you work through that. But yeah, so that took me a little bit. And then um, after like one season on the cross country team and just the relationships that I made with, I just felt like I never found my people like that before mm-hmm. too, that were all runners. And uh, so I stopped playing soccer and uh, that high school soccer coach gave me a, uh, gave me uh, just some crap, I guess the rest of my time there, yeah. like, I never, you know, suggested even cross country. We would have uh, had you on the team if not, but uh, yeah. So I, I found, I found my sport. Yeah. Yeah. That is awesome. I mean, you, you, I mean, so many words that I kind of picked out community enjoyment suck, uh, you know, cause <laughs> we, we go through all those emotions when we run and that's so funny, Kara, not to make this anything about me, but I, you know, I grew up playing soccer and I remember the high school cross country coach tried to keep repeatedly recruit me. Like you should run, you should run, you should run. I'm like, why should I do anything? Why should I run without something in front, like a ball in front of me? Like that's boring. Right. And here we are now, you know, some, some years later, I am really curious from, cause you also ran in college, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what did, did you, I'd love to know about your nutrition in high school as a runner versus your nutrition in college as a runner. Did it change at all? And how did you grow up? Like, what was your nutrition like in the family? Yeah, I feel like my family had a really like healthy relationship with food. And um, like a lot of our family time was um, around like dinner. That was kind of like our sacred time that everyone, you know, I'm the oldest of five kids. So we were going in a million directions all the time. But um, that family dinner time, everyone was supposed to be there and to sit down, you know, and sometimes it'd be taken on the road or whatever. But um, so I, you know, and I feel like 
through high school, I was kind of finding my way because my dad is, was an athlete. My mom, I, she looks athletic, but she was never, I don't think she had the same opportunities that I had growing up as a female athlete. So she never really got into, uh, got into that. So I don't think they really knew. So I remember like before, um, one race, my freshman year, I ate a blueberry muffin before, because I didn't know what else to eat, you know? So I was kind of, it was kind of a guess and check mentality and I did really well. So then my mom would get me like a half a dozen blueberry muffins before (laughs) every single race. And I had to eventually be like, listen, you know, like I was just, I don't know if that's like a good thing to have that many muffins. (laughs) So, um, so it was kind of guess and check and I figured out some things that worked and some things that didn't. Um, but I learned very quickly on that you need to eat a lot to have the energy to do what I wanted to do. And um, there are some races if I felt lightheaded or if I felt I would just quickly realize I'm lacking nutrition. So I feel like that was a really big win for me early on is figuring that out, that food is fuel and you need fuel to be able to do what you want to do. So that always was, was, um, was connected. And and it's funny too, because I remember also like, I was a really good high school runner. Like I multiple times state champion making it to nationals and never won nationals, but I was usually one of the national players. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got interviewed a lot in high school. And I think this is in a time that people weren't as aware and a little bit um, naive um, for some questions that they should ask. But I remember multiple times getting asked, how did you just win that race? You're, you're bigger than a lot of the oh, other girls. Yeah. And I'm, like I'm all, I've always been very fit. I've always been very athletic, but I've always been more of like an athlete type than rather your, I don't know. I was never like a string bean or anything like mm. that. And I was always, when people would say that, I'm really proud of myself that it didn't question what I was doing. It made me question them. Like, did you see me just win that race? Like, and you're yeah. asking me about my body. Maybe you should be yes. asking the people that don't have body. Like, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. So I was so I'm proud of myself that I was raised in a way that I felt confident enough to brush stuff off like that. But it's after a lifetime of comments like that, that you start realizing that maybe people don't have that confidence to brush that off and maybe it can get to people. And that really breaks my heart. Um, you know, and especially yeah. if there's people in a position of trust in your life saying comments like that, like I can, you know, if my parents were saying something like that, I think, you know, I would have done something with that, but, um, yeah, so that, uh, I don't know where I kind of got off on a tangent with that, but I re- I just remember a lot of comments like that in high school and yeah. just being able to realize how silly that was early on and being fortunate that, um, that was my response to that. Totally. And, you know, Kira, I work with a lot of college athletes, uh, male and female, and I do see it obviously more on the female side, but it's still, it's still there on the male side too, but it's, it's almost that just like you were talking about, I mean, I think Dean and I have the biggest smile on our face from what you said, but it is, I think it's very societal and it's, it's very concerning because when I work with these college athletes, they do believe that, you know, size matters in terms of, if we're just talking about running and, and, you know, not fueling because they need to be a specific size. And then they, I mean, everything just goes downhill from a health and performance perspective, but it's that, it's that stigma, isn't it? That, that societal stigma. Yeah. Did that change for you once you got to college or how did that, how did that, how did you make that switch and that transition? 
I've been really, really fortunate in my life that I think all of the coaches that I've really respected have all had a very similar athlete, mm. like outlook on food and weight. I know my college coach, uh, I ran for Matt Sensowitz at American University, and he would make sure like, Kira, are you eating enough? Like, you got to make oh, sure you're recovering. Great. Like, what did you have for breakfast today? So he was constantly checking in in a way to make sure that I was getting enough nutrients. Like, mm-hmm. would... um you know, he would just double check and make sure, especially my freshman year, he would ask like, are you eating the same things you did at home? And I had a roommate that was, uh, she was awesome, but she was always making these green smoothies and stuff. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh yeah, Zaya made the greatest smoothie <laughs> this morning. And he's like, are you used to eating that? Is that what, do you need more than that? What would you normally have? So just make yeah. sure you're, you're getting enough in because, um, yeah, if you don't get the nutrition and the fuel in, you're just not, you're just going to, putter out you're not gonna have the energy to do what you need to do so um so I've been very fortunate that those people that have really influenced me in my life have had very similar athlete outlooks for sure so did you give up your blueberry muffin from high school to a green (laughs) smoothie or how, yeah, how no, you, I, I moved yeah. on from blueberry muffins. I found those were a little bit heavy, you know, and okay. like, you know, I lo- I still love a good muffin, but I don't eat that right before a race anymore. But yeah, um, but it's also like, it's a very personal thing, you know? So when people ask me like, like, you know, what do I eat for breakfast? I tell them I eat the same thing and I, my body's used to it. My body really enjoys it, but it's going to be different for everybody. Everyone's going to be mm-hmm. a little bit different with how their body, you know, just breaks stuff down and allergies and what, you know, I don't know, just everyone's yeah. so different. So it's uh, maybe blueberry muffins were for some people I found I hit a, and maybe I just tapped out because my mom just really <laughs> the blueberry muffins that I just kind of tapped out. hit my quota. Blueberry yeah. muffin overload. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, in this uh, Kira timeline that we're kind of working through to get to current day, I'm I'm just thinking of your collegiate days and then after college, Kira. Uh, I know you've mentioned before your journeys with some injury and then in that time frame needing some surgery and things. So I was just curious in after college experiencing an injury in your foot or ankle, how did that then lead to the following years and then that that process of working through the injury, just how it affected your mental health or or physical goals? And even the nutritional side, anything you can think of in that time frame? Yeah, that's a really great question. So after college, I knew that my running wasn't done. I had a lot of like unfinished business. So I joined a post-collegiate team in um, not too far from where my hometown. And I was coached by Scott Rasko on a team with Alan Webb and Samia Akbar. And it was a really awesome team. And And again, a similar outlook nutrition wise, it was always, are you getting enough? Are you getting the right things? Are you getting enough of the right things? Um, And, you know, you know, we'd go out to dinner and he'd be like, what are you getting for dessert? You know, so there was all, I feel like it was a really healthy relationship um, with food even then, but I started getting this perpetual stress fracture in my left Mm -hmm. foot. Um, And so I'd take six to eight weeks off, let it heal, get back and it would break again. And after a couple of times, it's like, we're not fixing the problem here. What's going on? And I realized I have something called, um, it was uh, navicular uh, med. Oh, I'm not even going to 
remember the name. <laughs> tarsal coalition. That's what it was. Tarsal coalition. My navicular bone and I think a cuboid bone were fused together. I think it was a problem that I've had since birth, but just the extra load that I was doing with this team was just extra pressure. And it was finally, since there wasn't that release of pressure from those two bones, it was cracking other bones around it. Mm. So I needed to get surgery, but this was in the time of like the pre-existing conditions. So back in 2008. Um, so my insurance said, sorry, you know, you twisted your ankle in high school, so we're not covering this. So oh. it's, you know, it was a pre-existing condition. So even though completely unrelated, um, but they just said, you can't get the surgery. And that broke my heart. And I really felt like I was pushed out because I'd never be able to train at the level I needed to, but I didn't have the money to be able to pay out of pocket for the surgery. Um, but also kind of getting back to your point about how I was doing mentally, I was exhausted. I was so tired from dealing with all these injuries and I felt like really, um, low, I didn't have the confidence then. And I just didn't know if I even had what it took to get to the next level. So in a way I kind of used that, like, well, I guess this is where my road ends, you know? So, I felt like I was pushed out, but I also kind of felt like I quit, you know, and that was really, really hard for me because I was so confident about all these dreams and goals and I fell short of all of them. So it kind of rocked my world that how could I be so wrong? Like I thought I could be a national champion. I thought I could be an Olympian or make a, you know, run for team USA. And I didn't hit any of those things. Mm. So it really, um, it rocked my confidence for a while that like, just how was I so wrong? Like I was so sure of myself, but like something beautiful happened is that I forgave myself mm. and I moved on mm. and I learned like who else and what else Kira could be. And I found out the Kira was a lot more than just a runner. And I think my biggest fear was, you know, was in running, you know, quitting or not hitting my goals and just the fear of failure, I should say, was my biggest fear in running. And I had that. I felt I felt like I failed the biggest way you can fail by quitting and walking away. And I was okay. And it was so beautiful. It was such like a strong lesson for me to learn. And I think now in round two, it's very powerful now that I've experienced that because I know what it feels like to fail. And I know I can rise above it. I know I'm resilient. I know I can find other things to put in my life that make me really happy too. Um, so I think that now, like, I'm not afraid to fail, you know, what, you know, to me, like getting to a race and falling, you know, just not running as fast to me, that's not even failure. At least I'm going for it. I have the opportunity, you know, I have the courage to make it to the starting line again and to really go for it. So um, I think that just that whole experience has really kind of fueled this fire and just really kind of taken away a lot of, um, you know, just the stakes from, uh, from the game. And I think that's really opened it up. So very long, again, a long question to, um, to your question, Dina, but I, uh, yeah, that's, uh, kind of what I went through right after college. That's amazing. I was getting a little teary as you were sharing that self-growth. I think it's so important. It happens in so many different ways for all of us, but just thinking of where you are now and then where you were then and, and that whole amazing journey that you've been on. Kira, I was wondering though, in that gap of time or that time period from that time point you were describing 
to the years that followed when there were some other life things happening? I mean, did you decide to purposefully take a break for a set period of time? And and did you know you would get back to running or have a sense that would come back? Or or maybe just talking about to the other things that happened family-wise before you got to where you are now and some of the recent accomplishments that you've had? Yeah, I quit running and I never thought I'd ever come back at a competitive standpoint. Okay. So for eight years of my life, I was... I was never, ever coming back to competitive running. Okay. And, but something really beautiful happened there too, is that I learned um, how to put running back in my life in a recreational point. And all of a sudden I was allowed to run without goals. I was hmm. allowed to run for my body. I was allowed to run for a community. I was allowed to run just because I felt like going out and going for a run. And so for eight years, I had no goals, but I did put running back into my life in there in a really healthy way. Um, at one point, my I, and then also the big news, I got married and I had two children during that time. Wow. And I started a business in real estate. So I really filled my life with a lot of other things that made me really happy. Um, and at one point, my husband and I trained for a marathon and I definitely had like, um, we'll just call it, I was a little over, overly confident and the marathon like really humbled me. So I think in, uh, I think it was in 2014, maybe I ran a marathon. It was Munzula, Montana, and uh, I ran 349.49, which is a really respectable marathon time. But I went out trying to break 320 and then I walked the last like six miles and I should say I oh. walked run and I'd stop at like a gummy bear station, fit, see how many gummy bears I can get <laughs> in my mouth and like, keep, keep going. And then I ran across the finish line and, you know, I celebrated like I won the Olympics that day too. And I was so proud to finish um, the marathon that day, but it is, I finished that thinking I'm not a marathoner. I, this is not for me. I was more of a miler 5k person. I'm never doing a marathon again, but yeah. So wait a second here. This is, this is mind blowing, absolutely mind blowing. And I love, I love the messaging in that eight years you, you were, you know, you found other things, you were happy and you started a family and a business and you're successful and, and you were really at peace with that. But let me go back to the marathon. So you came back to marathon and did you run with your husband? Or were you just on your we own? We kind of trained together a little bit, yeah. but he ran great that day. He ran like okay. a 302. Oh, okay. um, wow. I was going to like, so our goals were just to qualify for the Boston Marathon. Yeah, yeah. And so he did, I did not. <laughs> not <laughs> so I'm looking at the progression, which, which you have. I'm looking at the progression of your marathon time. So you said that was a 349 and change. And then, then it just seems like, you know, and again, 349 is very respectable for us common people, right? But you, it seems like you just started whittling that down and whittling that down, whittling down until literally in 2022, you broke Dina Castor's US marathon record. And I believe it was by about 24 seconds, if I recall, right? So let me just put this in context, listeners. You know, you were saying, Kira, in 20, did you say 2014 was that Missoula marathon? 20, okay. So what, nine years later, you set maybe the it was US... 2013, sorry, 2013, 2013 okay. or 2014. I can't remember, but it was a while Somewhere ago. around there. Yeah. So, so eight, nine, 10 years later, you're, or eight or nine years later, you're breaking the U S marathon. So you did a two nineteen twelve 
to break Dina's record, right? An amazing, amazing feat. And that's what's just, I'm, I'm going, wow, you went for a three, you went from a 349 to a 219. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Obviously, then you were kind of, you had that focus again, didn't you? You must have had that focus going into that. Like, can you take us through that prep for that marathon for that amazing day? Yeah. Well, the first off, the 349, it took me like, I think four years to mentally and physically recover from that race. Okay. So it okay. took a really long break away <laughs> from the marathon. But then I think in that, it really humbled me and it taught me to respect the marathon and the training that goes into it. So I knew if I ever did a marathon again, I would go in humble. I would go in and really work really hard. So I think that that lesson was a good, you know, it's like the lesson yeah. was the hard knocks, lessons of hard knocks. <laughs> right. Um, so, but going into January of 2022, um, it was pretty spectacular because in 2021, I was injured for majority of the year and I was mm. super, super fit. Like I had run a PR at the end of 2020, I ran a 222 in the marathon. Mm. And so I you know, when you run that, you're like, well, if I take a couple of minutes off, I'm within striking distance. So that's when yeah. it started. That goal went, you know, came onto my horizon. And then in 2021, when I wanted to start working towards it, I was injured for four or five months of that. And, um, but I, you know, I stayed patient and I tried to like, you know, it's just, it's so tough when you're injured and you're just, you're stagnant, you know? So I did what I could and just stayed patient. I just knew this soon would be a, a speed bump in my review mirror. Um, and then I got back and, you know, for a while I didn't, it wasn't clicking like it was, but I just remained patient and I just try to do a little bit more and just to see that tiny bit of progress. And it's so important to focus on that progress, even because I think we're so often trying to chase our best ever workout or, you know, trying to do the most mileage ever in a week or whatever. But I think if we just mm -hmm. focus on just having one week be better than the last, so like my workout today, you know, and last year wouldn't really, you know, it's not really that impressive a workout, but it's a huge step forward for my workout last week. So I'm feel mm -hmm. really excited about just making some of this progress. So I think when you can kind of just get so granular and just focus on that little pro progress. So going into the marathon in January, of 2022, I was just focused on progress, like every single week. And I was seeing these workouts get better and better and better. And there was a workout about, I think about three weeks before that I had run, I think about 12, a 12 mile tempo. And like by, I think I was, I averaged like in the low five teens. So maybe five, 13, five, 14 for, so I just like crushed it. And I finished yeah. that workout just thinking, oh my gosh, I'm in American record shape. Wow. I couldn't like mentally, I couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around American record shape. So I was just saying like 518 shape. So I yeah. tried to disconnect that that meant that was American record. So I was just like, I think I can run 518s for the marathon. That's, that's awesome. So that started giving me the confidence. And I really coming off an injury, my mileage was a lot lower than it had been in the years prior. But um, I think what, you know, we're so focused on miles per week and how many miles per week you're doing. And I put less emphasis on that and just more like an overall body of work. So I was doing more strength exercises than I usually was. I was doing Pilates twice a week. I did more hurdle mobility and I did some more just dynamic flexibility. So I had never worked so hard 
in my life for any race mm. than that race in, in January. Um, but I don't think I ran more than 80 miles per week, maybe just oh, two or okay. three times, which for an elite marathoner, sometimes it's a hundred to 130 yeah. miles per week. So it's pretty low mileage, but I had just put my focus on the workouts and the long runs and, um, just, yeah, I've, felt very prepared going in that day. Did you change your nutrition preparation at all? Or was that pretty much the same? Bob, do you remember back in the day when you used to have significant GI distress, especially during your first Ironman race? Oh, Dina, that was absolutely horrible. And I, I, I mean, that was par for course, right? I remember 1999, first Ironman, Florida, every step of the marathon was absolutely horrible with GI distress, hitting the porta potties every single, I mean, it felt like every single step of the way. And I think you had a similar experience in a marathon, didn't you? Trying to qualify for the Boston Marathon way back when, Bob, using simple sugar products, overdid it, didn't work for my gut, uh, lots of bloating, nausea, GI distress. Luckily, times have changed and we have different fueling products available to us, that being the UCAN set of products. And such a great set of products, honestly, with their patented starch that they put in there, it's called Live Steady. It is amazing. There are no simple sugars. It doesn't spike your blood sugar, keeps you nice and steady throughout the day in terms of energy, which is great for daily productivity, right? But it's also great for training and competition. So I think both of our lives were changed once we found UCAN. Extreme differences, Bob, and the beauty of the UCAN being so versatile, it can support so many different kinds of athletes, sports, people of all kinds, and providing steady energy without the sugar bombs, the energy crashes, supports our brain health and productivity as well. So it's just an all around great option for all of us to consider. All right, listeners, go check out You Can online. You Can, that's U-C-A-N dot C-O. Go shop, use our code ISN podcast for 20% off and enjoy. Yes, I had to a lot. I found, um, you know, just as I've gotten older, I think my body has required different things. So I started adding like more protein shakes to make sure I found myself getting lightheaded in some runs. And I realized that was just lack of protein. So, and then, um, and then there'd be some runs where I was just, just bonking and I'm realized, and I'm not a big like pasta or bread person, but I was just bonking, like running out of energy. And I realized I wasn't getting enough carbs. So I made sure to put in some more pastas, more breads. I was trying to eat a lot more rice, um, sweet potatoes. So I'm just trying to load my diet with all these like, um, superfoods to make sure I had the right kind of energy. I met with nutritionist, um, just to make sure I would, I do inside tracker also just to look at all my levels to make sure that I'm getting enough of everything. So I became very calculated with all that, just to make sure I was giving my body what it needed. And that, and not only for this, you know, that build for builds to come, you know, so I wasn't going in deficit to hurt my body later. So I was giving myself the energy that it needed. So, but it's been harder as I've gotten older, my body's rejected, like in the last few years, my body's decided I don't like dairy anymore. So I've mm. substituted milk for almond milk, you know, and just, I have yeah. to be and ogre, yogurt. I used to eat ice cream all the time and I just can't really eat ice cream anymore. So I figured out different kind of like, you know, sweet fixes to do like yeah. after dinner and stuff. But, um, but yeah, getting, getting older is not easy, but you just have to kind no. of listen to your body. You know, I just, 
you know, I see how my body reacts to certain foods and I either keep doing it or have to like adjust. Such a powerful message. Yeah. Did you also, so it sounds like you change your daily nutrition. Did you change your in race nutrition at all? Yeah. So I think that was the last race that I did okay with the previous nutrition I was doing. I mm, was originally okay. using a, like a, um, just really heavily sugar, like mm, simple sugar. Yeah. yeah. And, and I found like, even at that race, I went to the starting line feeling a little nauseous and like towards the end, I was having a little bit of a hard time taking in enough stuff. And that actually multiplied in the races later to come that year. And I realized that it just in my glucose levels, like when I was ever getting that check, were just through the roof. I was getting a lot of headaches after like hard runs. And I think I was just loading in so much sugar to my body that it just mm. started like I was getting a little bit nauseous while I was running. So that's when I met up with UCAN. And actually it's a funny story because I was at a a race and I um I had gone right from the race to drug testing to awards. And then I was talking to some people and I had to go get my cool down. And I started just getting like, oh, I just need something. And and um my father-in-law came by and he's like, Oh, there's a UCAN booth over here. Drink this. And I took oh. a sip. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is really good. And some yeah. guy walks by and he's like, Hey, uh, do you want some more of that? And just to be funny, I was like, Oh, do you know a guy? And he's like, yeah, my brother, my brother owns the company. And I was like, Oh, oh. so you really like know the guy. Oh. So, and that's how that relationship started. But with you can, wow. it's like a slow release starch or a steady release starch, I should say. Yep. So, Yep. That I found switching to that, I wasn't getting the spikes and crashes and I wasn't feeling mm. nauseous that I was like just this sustained energy. And once I started figuring that out and it takes away a lot of that, that sugar rush and crash, it's been so much better. And I haven't been getting headaches after I run. Um, and I don't feel nauseous getting to the start line and it's really easy to take it down, um, during the race or during a hard effort. So that's been a really, really awesome switch. But I think that's also maybe just getting older and that my body mm. doesn't do as well. And maybe everyone doesn't do too well with that much sugar, but. Yeah, I mean, I would I would give my two cents about that. I think everybody, our listeners know how Dean and I feel about that, but I, I think you are onto something. We do have to listen to our body, but I think a lot of times the simple sugars don't do what we think they really do in our body. Uh, in terms of having all of the positive benefits, there are some negatives sometimes, but so, and I heard you say you start off your day early on when we started, like by having some energy, some, you can energy mix. Um, do you also like during, uh, I'm, I'm curious for our listeners, like what's your pre-race routine now you are, a you can sponsored athlete. What is your pre-race routine and how do you incorporate you can and which of their products? And then uh, fast forward to during the race, what are you using during a marathon? Unless, unless Bob, it's a super secret. We don't want to oh, yeah, that's reveal. True. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm so an open book. <laughs> I feel like if I can help people with what I've learned and what I've experienced, yeah. I'm more than happy to share everything. And that's why I'm on Strava too, is I'm like, yeah, so transparent I noticed that. Yes. So if people can learn something from me and find their best from what yeah. I've like gone through, I am so happy to share everything that I do. But, and I give a lot of credit for you can too, because after we started this relationship, like I am very um, particular with 
like my sponsorships and I really need to yeah. go through like a testing period. So for months they were sending me product and let me try out their different things. And I was seeing how it worked for me and everything. And it, 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 it was a, it was a very easy switch, but I appreciate them being so patient with me allowing to try it and make sure it really worked for me. So in the morning I'll use their, you can energy and um, I'll mix that. I think it's like one scoop in about like 12 ounces of water. And I'll drink that like before I even get moving. Mm-hmm. And then, um, during like the New York marathon, I drank one of their edge gels every okay. 10K about. Okay. And those are really nice because you don't need water, which is really nice. Cause there's sometimes you want to take a gel that's not at a water step. I still try to get a little bit of water just to flush it down, but it's also the consistency. It's so liquidy. It goes down so much easier rather than if yeah. like a thicker goo trying to, or I just say goo or gel trying to, I don't know, get it down to be able to swallow it. So I do their edge gels every 10 K I'm still playing around with the hydrate or energy as uh, like a drink during the race. Okay. So yep. I've right now been doing the energy during and that's been working well. And I've been using the, you can hydrate in like one or two days leading into a long run, a hot run, a hard workout mm. or a race just to load in the electrolytes a couple of days, because your race nutrition is like, it starts even before you get to the starting line. So you need to make sure for days prior, you're loading up, um, your body with, you know, the right kind of electrolytes, especially if it's going to be hot and humid, then I'll like double that and make sure I'm getting Mm. a lot more. Um, and then, you know, that race morning, just really making sure that you're like loading your body up. Um, and then after the race within 30 minutes, you want to get protein in. So your body can start recovering. So as soon as I'm done with a race or workout or a long run, I have like in my car waiting for me, I have their protein drink. So they have um, some really, you know, a lot of different flavors. I like the vanilla and the cookies and cream are my two favorite Mm -hmm. ones, but, um, but I really, really loved working with UCAN and I've appreciated just how my body has felt with this shift. Um, And um, yeah, I'm happy to, happy to share what I do and help spread the love. And I think also just as an older athlete, yeah, that like, you know, just drinking some sugar drink onto this, you know you know, days before, I just can't do that anymore. Cause I get yeah. sick headaches. So I feel like I've had to be really calculated and make sure what I'm putting in my body is like just super energy. And it sounds like you prep, you've gone through this process, you prep it, but you've also had some, some data, whether it's, you know, from like you're saying inside tracker, blood work analysis, or just, you know, tried and true, like try this, try that. Have you done any other testing like physiological testing or any other testing to kind of peek inside your body throughout the years? Yeah. So I do, um, yeah, I do the inside tracker every two to three months. And then mm-hmm. I recently went out to the Olympic training center in Colorado Springs. Okay. And that was really cool getting to like try all of their equipment. So I did a run efficiency test. I did a DEXA scan, just checking on my bone density. And that's yeah. a really good test to see just how like the weight of your bones to make sure, you know, it can kind of predict, you know, trends that you need to focus on and make sure that you're doing a little bit more of. Um, and then there was some like, um, like balance test and just to see how strong my quads were versus my hamstrings and everything. And mm-hmm. that's been real interesting and real helpful to know I'm pretty well balanced, but there's, you know, think definitely things that I can keep working on. Um, I'm trying to think what else. 
but I think those are kind of the main things, but I, um, yeah. I'm also kind of like, I don't want to say a guess and check, but I'll go through like with my race nutrition, I know it's going to work on race day because I've done it in all of my workouts leading into it. So all of my long runs, all of my like long tempos, I stage it like it's a race and I treat it mm -hmm. like it's race day and I take it at, and I think this is a really important tip too. So you need to take it. So if you're doing a long run, but you know, in a race, you're going to get it every 10 K calculate the time on that. So instead of taking mm -hmm. it every 10 K during a long run, calculate it, what pace or what time of the race. So if you're going to hit a 10 K every 40 minutes, you know, you're going to run a lot faster in the race. So take it a little bit at a more frequency for your long run, if you're going to be running slower. So does that make sense? So you want to work on time. So your Absolutely. body, the time that you're taking these things in, but I've learned like, um, through working with the nutritionist that your stomach is the muscle that you need to train too. So you can't just show up to race day and give your stomach something new. You know, you need to be practicing and practicing and practicing to so your body. As soon as it gets that knows exactly what to do with that win. So, um, yeah, so I've become very calculated with, uh, with all that. Good teachings, Kira. Can't say that enough for all of the listeners out there who are training and racing these lessons. Super important. Thank you for sharing that. I was just thinking when you mentioned the DEXA scan that you had done and thinking of our aging process, even though I would say that you're still quite young, I don't know if you want to mention your age, but the age card versus changing hormones as we age as well, or just even within menstrual cycles and curious if you also have modified a few things nutritionally or hydration wise, or maybe supplements to work with hormonal flux within a menstrual cycle or anything along those lines. And you mentioned earlier, uh, increasing your protein and things too, and honoring recovery nutrition, but was there anything else specific that you felt like maybe fell into the, the female bucket? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's so important to listen to your body. And I know like I'm about to go through my cycle when I start craving a lot of like sugar. It's like I'll all of a sudden want to eat tons of marshmallows and ton <laughs> I eat a couple pieces of chocolate every day, but I start craving like sugars that I don't normally go to, which I'm like, okay, I know what this means. So I give into that a little bit because I feel like if my body's craving that, it needs something. So I you know, go into that a little bit, but then I also try to think, you know, let's let's give it a little bit more, more healthier because I know what happens when I have too much sugar, I get a headache and I don't feel as good. Um, but I also find it really interesting in like probably the five days leading into it, I get really, really hungry and I gain a little bit of weight and I'm confident now that I know that I lose it right afterwards, but I'm okay with that. So I let my body do what it needs to do. So I eat a bowl of cereal right before bed too. So when I know I'm prepping for that, I never like to go to bed hungry because I feel like when you're sleeping, your body's recovering and it needs all that energy to be able to recover fully. So I'll have an extra bowl of cereal right before I go to bed. Um, sometimes if I'm lying in bed and I'm like, just like, oh man, I'll get up and get a granola bar or banana. Or I'll do some sort of quick fix that I can just give it a little bit of extra calories. And then I just, I don't, I'm don't, I'm not someone to check my weight anyways, but I just, I just know I'm probably going to gain a little weight. I might feel a little bit flat, but I can train through that and I can race through that and it's not going to affect my performance. Um, I can perform at a really high level, um, you know, Anytime. You change your training at all, Kira, based on your menstrual cycle? I don't. 
okay. I, I'm okay going into a workout that I have yeah. to work a little bit through. And there's times okay. that if I'm feeling like really off, then, then maybe the times are a little bit slower and that's okay. But yeah. I kind of like when you can to train through it. Like it's the same reason why if it's a rainy day, I won't change my workout because you never know mm-hmm. what's going to happen race day. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it yes. gives you confidence when you've gone through that, you know, when I've done workouts on my period and I've done workouts in the snow and in the wind, when that happens on race day, I'm like, you know what, I've done this and I feel confident I can do this again. So um, there should be a little bit of expectation that you are feeling a little bit off. I tend to get cramps a lot in workouts when I'm on my period Mm. and I've realized I need to make sure that I'm getting extra electrolytes extra water and but it's also just that something happens to me you know and that I have to just be a little gentle with myself and unfortunately this last year during the Berlin Marathon I was on my period and I got a cramp in the race and, you know, I had to stop and walk a little bit and that sucks, but it's just like, you know what, it is what it is, what it is. Like, I can't, right. I can't do anything about this. So I made it to a water stop. And once I got a little more water, the cramp went away and I was able to continue along my way. But, um, but that's also happened to me in workouts and I've worked through it. So I knew in the race, I wasn't going to stop. I was going to make it to a water stop. So it, that cramp would go away. But it took me doing workouts and having that happen to know how to handle it on a race day. Yeah, yeah. yeah I want to pick out two things you mentioned. One, relative to this conversation, one, it's okay. Like you are okay. You're like, you know what? Yeah, I'm on my menstrual cycle. I'm on my period. It's okay. Like I'm still going to train. I'm still going to do what I want to do and need to do. But I also want to highlight, Be you said be gentle on yourself. And I think that's such a powerful message because all the females I work with, a lot of times they do, they get down on themselves because they're not hitting what they should be hitting during their practices or workouts because it is, you know, during a certain phase of the menstrual cycle. And I think that's just so powerful to remember and to remind our listeners or female listeners say, you know what, yeah, be gentle on yourself. Don't get down on yourself. And, you know, you're not a bad person. Like just take it for what it is because it's you. Right. So I think that's, thank you for saying that. I just wanted to bring that out. Um, in, in reference to what you were saying, like with, with you can products and everything, are there any other supplements that you take? Yeah, I do. So I'm always really low on vitamin D and mm-hmm. I don't understand that at all because I'm outside so much, but I take a vitamin yeah. D supplement. <laughs> um, I just recently started taking like a joint supplement too, because yeah, I am 38. So I'm yeah. getting I want to make sure that I have healthy joints and everything. Um, and then I do like the collagens in my coffee. Yeah. So that's, okay. um, those are the, those are the ones that's, it is crazy. If I could just pick out vitamin D, because I mean, that's the, the, the great thing about you doing your blood work every few yeah. months. Right. But I think a lot of people just expect, oh, you're a runner, you're outside, you're, you're fine. Right. You have yeah. to pop the hood. You have to see what's going on underneath there. You, you have to. And it's nice too, because like back in college, I remember my coach was just like, the one vitamin everyone needs is B12. Yeah. yeah. Through that, I realized I'm really high in B12. Like, I think I naturally have a lot of that. So I don't need any of that, you know? So I know his advice was like meant to help. And that's probably what he needed, but it's not, it's not what I needed. Um, but I also have very low iron. So that's another thing that mm, I do like okay. iron supplements yeah. and everything. And I've had to really like fool around with what time of day I'm doing it. I need to make sure that I'm doing it with cal or without calcium, with vitamin C so I can absorb it. 
And then I've learned maybe taking it every other day is more beneficial than every day. So my body can kind of crave it a little bit and absorb more. So that's something I've worked on my whole life, which I think a lot of female athletes, especially when you're going through your cycle, really need to make sure that you're doing that. Getting some iron rich foods is really, really important. Um, and always like, you know, I think anything start with foods and if you need help, then go to a supplement, but if you can get it through nutrition, that's definitely where you want to start. Amazing. Oh my gosh, Kira, so many fantastic tips and lessons that you've been providing and it's been so fun to hear more about your background and, and more about your journey that you've been through. Is there anything else that you'd like to share or add or things coming up for you? Yeah, I, um, well, this upcoming weekend, I'm going to go to Boston, not to race, but just to, um, to, to be there. And I have a couple of events that I'll be there with. And then I'm going to start my racing season at the end of April. I think I'm going to, this is actually like hot. I haven't told anyone this. So this is like, I'm really dropping something I was going to (laughs) announce, but I'm going to start my season out in Richmond where I live at the Monument Avenue 10K. That's at the end of April. And then I think early May, I think I might go out to Washington state to do the Bloomsday run. I've never done that. That's been a bucket list race of mine. Um, And then we'll start announcing some other, but I haven't, uh, I haven't announced anything with races. So this is, you heard it here first. Oh, we are honored. Yes. Can't wait to follow. Thank you so much for giving us the uh, next, next events coming up. We'll be sure to pay attention to your calendar and your announcements. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And we'll, we'll put all of the information in our show notes so our listeners can follow you for sure. But let's, uh, let's wrap up with what we call our high fives, if you don't mind. So this is just a series of five questions that kind of rapid fire questions that we love. uh, So our listeners can kind of get to know Kara behind the scenes a little bit more, if you don't mind. Are you ready? My heart rate is like totally rising and I'm so ready for this moment. Let's bring all about the setup it's like the gun going off right okay <laughs> but, but maybe not that much excitement okay so the first question we have for you what is your favorite non-running physical activity that you like to do pilates. i pilates. love pilates oh. and i've i'm convinced if i can do pilates once a week it's like such a great core back like glutes like it keeps me healthy for running so i enjoy doing it and it like prevents. So I'm going to say Pilates, but then also I love like going on like hikes and like walks with my kids. That is, okay. that actually is probably above Pilates. Like we'll go to a park and like, it's just fun to stop and smell the flowers, you know, and yeah. they see stuff that I'm like, I would never even notice that, you know, and they're like jumping in creeks and it, I wouldn't do that, <laughs> but it's fun to watch them do that. So it's uh, <laughs> so, okay. my favorite activity hiking with the family. Nice. Love it. Awesome. I don't know if the answer will be super obvious or you're going to just throw a curveball here at this question. But if you think about all the races you've done to date, Kira, what has been the most favorite? So it's probably when I broke the American record in the marathon. Yeah. That's okay. probably my yeah. favorite. But I'm going to say a, close, a second is the first time I got to represent the USA for Team USA at Worlds this past summer in Eugene, Oregon. I was on a team with Sarah Hall and Emma Bates and I was the alternate and I didn't find out I was running until about two weeks before the race. Oh my Um, gosh. And so I was called out at the bullpen and I wasn't necessarily in marathon shape. I was really fit, but I hadn't been doing long runs or long tempos, but I'm like, you know what? How often do you get called up to be part of team USA? And I'm 
I'm healthy. And I said, yes. And it was just one of the coolest experiences being able to put on a USA Jersey and especially on home soil. So many people out there were chanting like USA and to be part of a team with two incredible women like Sarah Hall and Emma Bates. I was, I think Sarah was uh, fifth, Emma was seventh and I was eighth, but they waited at the finish line. I'm going to get teary. eyed just saying this, but they waited at the finish line for me and just coming in and feeling like I have nothing left. I haven't trained like this. I'm just, but seeing them at the finish line, it was like, they were pulling me in and it was, we hugged right afterwards. And then Joan Benoit Samuelson came in her hug. And we, the four of us were all just hugging. And I feel like that was such a powerful moment to be part of that. Like Emma and Sarah, they could have like started their cool down. They could have gone over to interviews. They could have gone to their family and given them hugs because they both ran just out of their minds. Great. But they didn't, they waited for their teammate. And I just think that shows so much about just women supporting women and just the kind of, you know, athletes that I think we're seeing right now are just really like the tide rises all ships. And I just think it was a really cool moment for me in my life, but also just in women's sports. So I was really like, that was a really beautiful thing to be a part of. Absolutely amazing. And I I remember like that photo is ingrained in my brain. They took it at the finish line with you all embracing. It's, I think it's one of the most iconic photos literally of sport, to be honest with you. Yeah. That was awesome. Well, I don't even want to ask this next question because I'm (laughs) I'm a little emotional from that answer, but what this, the third question is what's your evening wind down routine? Like, how do you get your body ready for sleep and rest? So putting my kids to bed is like it's so fun because I get moments like alone with each of my children Mm. so I really love that alone time but it's also so exhausting because like I need to tell them like at minimum 20 times to like put their pajamas on so it's just it's just exhausting like I don't know why I need to tell them every night they should know now it's our routine we do this every (laughs) single night but so it's a really fun routine to spend with them but it's also just so exhausting so after like I put them in bed. I'm usually they're asleep around eight. That is like, that wears me out. So if I had inter- <laughs> any energy left in my day, it was all expended on bedtime. <laughs> so after that, I'll come down, I'll finish up what I need to do around the house, but I just start winding down from there. And, you know, I like, I don't mind watching a little TV at night or just playing a little game on my phone and just like relaxing, but I, yeah. after eight o'clock, I'm pretty worthless. So, so you're, um, you're in bed about eight fifteen, eight thirty. 30 minutes. Yeah, sometimes, <laughs> but usually, usually I start like, you know, brushing my teeth, wash my face around like okay. nine thirty, asleep by nine thirty ten. 10. Okay. okay. Amazing. Um, but sleep, like I'm really like, I'm a crazy person about sleep. So I really need a lot of it. So I make sure to to get a lot of it. Good, yeah. good. Question number four, Kira, what is your all-time favorite food? Ooh, artichokes. What? Yes. So <laughs> fresh artichokes. Do <laughs> you get them like you have to get them in the spring or summer? That's when they're like most fresh. Mm. But you steam them for about 45 minutes with a little bit of vinegar in the water. Oh my gosh, they are like my favorite thing. And it's an adventure because it's like, you know, the artichokes, like you peel yeah. off like one leaf yep. and then you like scrape it off with your teeth and then you throw yep. it into a plate in the middle. Like, so it's just like a fun thing. So it's yeah. like my family's favorite food too. So it's a wow. special night artichokes and we're all like, you know, I don't know. So that's our Amazing. favorite food. Is there a dip that... or anything or just? Sometimes, yeah, we'll do like a butter. Okay. Um, usually yeah. it's just butter if I'm feeling like really like 
saucy i'll do like a garlic herb <laughs> um, that's really good but even like a vinaigrette like balsamic vinaigrette is really good too just to dip it a little bit but yeah. um, sometimes i just go crazy and don't dip it all wow that is that is kind of cool and you know i'm gonna say i'm gonna confess i really enjoy artichokes also but it's a test of patience for me and that's why yeah. i don't think i eat a lot of artichokes because i'm like listen i just want to go right to the heart like i enjoy the process but man you cook it and then i'm like it's gonna take me 30 minutes to get to the heart like okay yeah. maybe that's just my person that's my husband too he just likes to put something like just get a whole bite of something put it in his mouth yeah like, yeah have the patience to really love it either that's like, so funny. when we first got married i was making them probably like once a week or so and yeah. he'll be like can we like slow the roll on the artichokes and i was like oh, <laughs> brutal but sure yeah more of a special occasion kind of food <laughs> i love that i love that okay well to finish up carrie last question this uh this may be a doozy for you right just setting that up just just kind of framing oh, no, it for you not for her if now for her, if you had only one piece of advice to give to all athletes, what would that one piece of advice be? Oh man, I have a tie. I have a tie. So I think the most, okay. The best advice, which I hate saying this because it's like against everything I am, but is to be patient like within patience, everything's come. So I've learned the more patient I can be the better everything happens. So I think the best thing is just patient. Nothing happens overnight. We got to work for it. So that's, that's probably the best advice. And one I hate saying, cause it's like not sexy at all, but I think the best thing is just enjoy the ride, like figure out how to have fun, chase goals that excite you go after things that like get you excited to wake up in the morning and work towards. And I think when you can put like sport in your life in that way, uh, it's just, it's so fun. And then when you're having fun, you want to do it more and you're doing better and it's just contagious. So I think like, enjoy the ride, have fun, but then also be patient. Nothing good happens overnight. Oh, good. Holy moly. I can't wait to listen to this podcast episode on my own <laughs> because you've said so many golden nuggets and, um, on behalf of Bob and myself and all the listeners, Kira, thank you so much for spending time with us today and sharing more of your story. And we'll be certain to keep following you along. So thank you again so much. Thanks for thank having you, me on. Yeah. And thanks for just educating everyone. This is, these are such good topics to be talking about and information to get out there. And there needs to be this kind of exchange of information. So thanks to you, to you guys for doing this. And I'm just, yeah. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Appreciate that. We hope you enjoyed episode number 74 with Kira. Gosh, what a gem of an athlete and human being she is. Thanks again for tuning in. And hey, thanks to our episode sponsor, You Can, a revolutionary sports nutrition product that supports blood sugar and steady energy throughout the day and during training and competition. And you could hear there that Kira is a You Can follower and consumer herself, so it has done her well. Stay tuned for next week's episode. Bob and I are breaking down the amazing and useful supplement, beta alanine, what it is, who should use it and its benefits and so much more. So stay tuned for that conversation coming up next week. And remember, if you've got another sports nutrition question you'd like to 
have us address on a future Q&A or other episode, give a shout out to us on email, hello at insidesportsnutrition.com, or you can pop over to our website, insidesportsnutrition.com, and drop a note there for us. If you have a minute, we greatly, highly, wonderfully appreciate you leaving a review five-star review would be awesome over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Uh, Make sure to subscribe and follow. And if you've got a fun episode that you have enjoyed, please do share that with anybody you know on your social platform or whatever way you want to just pass on the word. That does help us grow and it does support our podcast. Thank you for that. For more information about the nutrition coaching, the testing services that we offer, and all of the other programs that Bob and I offer, head over to Bob's site, energyperformance.com, E-N-R-G, performance.com, or you can check out my services over at nutritionmechanic.com. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of the hosts and the guests involved and do not represent a replacement for medical consultation with your doctor. The information and opinions provided here are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease or medical condition. This podcast is for information, education, and entertainment purposes only.